0: We've got a really special episode, super special. I sat down for almost two hours with the one and only Jerry West. Not often that Jerry West gives that much time to one person on the record. I don't think I've seen uh, an interview with him that long Um, The thing that I loved is he answered every single question, didn't duck one question, answered everything honestly, and I, I asked him a bunch of questions, questions that I was worried that might seem a little bit uncomfortable. He was open, and when I listened to it back, I think the thing that stuns me to a degree is when you listen to him, there's just so much insight and wisdom there about the game, about his personal lens on life, things that we can kind of take into our own lives. I know I read that back when I was writing up the transcript and was like, oh, my goodness, great. Um, (laughs) Quick caveat, though. So the nature of Summer League is pretty frenetic. You get people where you can get them. I didn't have a studio. There were not a ton of quiet places to sit down. So we ended up finding a Starbucks inside of a hotel near the convention hall inside of the Aria, which, by the way, the Aria is a poppin' ass hotel, so it's probably one of the least quiet hotels on the Strip. And there happened to be a convention going on at that exact same time. So some of the times it gets very turnt in our two-hour interview, which was lunchtime for people who were finding their quote-unquote purpose. Uh, (laughs) Live your purpose out uh, convention. So, as a result, the audio has a lot of background noise, which we've worked really hard to minimize. If you have a pair of headphones, I suggest putting them on. It makes the interview a lot crisper. Uh, This interview, just as a heads up, has been edited for time and clarity. A lot of my ums and ahs have been cut out. I am going to introduce each topic so that I can highlight and give additional context to what Jerry says, because I think it is so insightful. So let's get into it. All right, so let's kind of set up the scene for a quick second. So I had been trying to nail down Jerry for an interview for a few days. I knew he was going to be heading out of town, back to L.A. to do something with the Clippers organization, something with the new arena or something. I knew once he went to L.A., It was a wrap. He's not coming. He may come back. He may not. But this interview is not going to happen. So it needed to happen before that. So I'm trying to hunt him down. Didn't end up seeing him at the gym. Come back to the Aria to go back to my room. And I see him in the lobby talking to some season ticket holders. So I'm like, yo, tomorrow, let's link. Interview. And he's like, yep, let me know what time. So we meet in the lobby, 10.30 a.m. And... I'm like, okay, I know a quiet spot. So there is a quiet spot around the corner upstairs in the Aria where the convention halls are not used. And there's a package room, which was dead silent, and a Starbucks, which is tucked in the, way, in the back of the way. And I'm like, okay, we can go there. So we walk over there, and there's a rope, and <laughs> there's a convention going on. And they're like, oh, are you guys with the lead your purpose? We're like, no, no, well, you can't go this way. Oh, well, um, we're just getting a package from the package room. We're not getting a package from the package room. But so I circumvent that. We go through, and I'm like, there's a Starbucks right here. And he's like, perfect. I'm hungry. I'm starving. Awesome. So we sit down probably 15 minutes before the interview gets going as a, I want to say like a warm-up. He wanted coffee. He wanted a muffin. I think he also kind of wanted his vocal cords to warm up. He needed them more warmed up because he's a very sp- soft spoken guy. We had to bump audio on this and post. Anyway, while we were talking and just kind of getting warmed up, he said something that really stuck out to me and I wanted immediately to ask him on the record, which he said, I think I'm really misunderstood. I think people get me completely wrong and i know the side of him that's always cracking jokes ball busting but there is this this thing that is a an appearance that he's apparently aloof so i wasn't intending on asking it but i did another quick aside so we can get to it i did say hey i'll do an intro in post like we just did and he said um i really don't need an intro i'm jerry west so let's get into it. Alright, he says he needs no introduction, so we're not gonna give him one. <laughs> <You got it. laughs> he said I don't need an intro. He doesn't. I mean all you gotta say is logo. <laughs> and you know what time it is. It's Jerry West time here on the Heat Check Podcast. You mentioned that you think people uh get you all wrong. What do you mean?
1: It's been a journey, okay, starting with high school, college, in the M- NBA. Um, when I was a kid, I, I had these crazy dreams that I could become something different. Uh, never even dreamed it would be in the world of sports. And uh, so I picked up a basketball at nine years of age and a very solitary person. And I'm still very much a solitary person. And uh, I could.
0: But you think people think you're serious?
1: Well, I think people probably look at you and say, well, we haven't met him he's probably um, not approachable he's probably um aloof i am none of this uh, period um, i love people i um, love trying to help people like them and along the way that's been a part of my life also but the only thing that again that connected me to so many people uh meeting people i never thought i knew traveling places i never thought i would go to through the world of basketball, uh, I was able to um, have a career for 14 years that was pretty good.
0: It was and, all right.
1: And um, to be involved in the management end was something that frankly I was concerned could I do it. Uh, but I felt it was pretty oh, easy for me because there weren't, there weren't as many complexities to us there is today. You know, we have so many more people working in the league. The league is. Changed greatly before the three point line. But it's still a game of basketball. It's about people. It's about people with skill who can play together as a team and mold themselves into something that fans are going to watch.
0: There's probably no one in NBA history who is as much of a competitor as Jerry West. He cares about winning more than anything, but we also know it's been well documented that he doesn't like to lose. That's been well documented. And he brought up how much he hates losing kind of as an aside to another question in the context of managing and constructing a roster as an executive. And that kind of took us down this fascinating side road about how much Jerry West actually hates losing. Take a listen.
1: I hate losing.
0: How Thanks. much?
1: Uh, this day... <laughs> <laughs> to day, day, it torments me, to me that, <laughs> that I lost the NBA Finals eight times. And uh,
0: which one was the worst?
1: In 1969, a, uh, a great team, and uh, we lose to the Boston Celtics. But anyway, we picked a time to play a four-game. Uh, they played well. If, if we would played our the way we're capable, we would have won that game. And that was probably the most tormenting one. You know? uh, I, I was, it's never happened before. I was the most valuable player in the NBA Finals and the losing team. That made it even worse, to be honest with you. I thought it is a team game and some players excel and I haven't excelled in the whole theory. It wasn't good enough about I really wanted to quit the game, but I didn't know if there was anything left in, in me. Uh, particularly spiritually and emotionally. And um, a challenge of fighting depression that I had fought all in my life. That was probably one of the lowest periods in my life. And, uh, you, know, you you try to put it aside. I couldn't put it aside. I and mean, even to this day, I can't. So, you still think about
0: it
1: now? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I thought we were two times We should have beaten the Celtics. We didn't, but you know, tribute to them, they played, they won, uh, and we were the uh, we asterisk beside the championship, as uh, championship self uh, Um Winning has always driven me, excellence has always given me, and you can't do it, you can't achieve those kind of things unless you have
0: I met Jerry back in 2018 on a basketball court, and the first question I ever asked him was about him as a talent evaluator. I wanted to know, you're one of the best. Why can you seemingly see things that almost no one else can see, or why do you see them more consistently than anyone else? Um, And how do you know that a player is going to be special And which ones are going to be busts? It's one of the most fascinating questions to me because I think it's so nuanced and so hard to figure out. And for people who don't know, there's people I guess that don't, Jerry West has been part of front offices for the Showtime Lakers. That's five rings. Was responsible for bringing in Kobe and Shaq and hiring Phil Jackson to the Lakers. That's three championships while he was there. Went to Memphis in the grit and grind era, which was a whole thing in itself with Gasol, both Gasol brothers, with Mike Conley Jr., bunch of guys. In, insane tenure there as well. And then goes to work for the Warriors as a special assistant and was a part of drafting Draymond Green and finding him in the draft uh, recruiting Kevin Durant, Nixing a trade that would have traded Clay Thompson to the Minnesota Timberwolves for Kevin Love. He then goes to the Clippers, where he helps draft Shea Gilgis Alexander, who wasn't on anyone's radar. Recruits Kawhi Leonard, does the trade or helps do the trade for Paul George, building a Clippers team that is widely regarded to be the favorite to win or one of the favorites to win in this year's NBA championship. He has eight championships as an executive and two awards for executive of the year. He is point blank the best GM we've ever seen, and it's not close. Do not forget that. And the thing I really appreciate about this clip is how he simplifies the game. What does he see? He makes it so easy for us to see. What he looks at in deciding who's good and who's not. You're the... If not the one of the best talent evaluators in the game of basketball that we've ever seen, how do you do that?
1: Well, to me, your eyes don't lie to you, okay? They never lie. And, you know, we get some, the players of today obviously are so much younger. When they've been pushed from the time they're 15 years old to rank, you know, the top 10 high school player in the country. Um, I try not to pay attention to that, I really do, because some kids are just much more mature their, uh...
0: Body-wise.
1: Body-wise. And also, you could have a, a kid that's born in jan- January of the same year as someone born in December. It was a whole year there. <laughs> yeah. And it actually, it's something I do pay attention to. Um, so, the person later has to be physically... Uh, not as equipped as a guy who's a whole year older than the other one, and yet they're more in the same year. Uh, but To me, just watching games, uh, some kids have unique talent to make others better. Uh, they seem like they're a step ahead, a play ahead, uh, where they never get themselves in trouble, running over people, making turnovers. And in today's game, turnovers, are, oh, it's, a, it's either two or three points left. And so I've tried to understand that, uh, uh, taking into consideration the youth, but at the end of the day, uh, I like a certain kind of player. I like long-arm athletic players, and particularly people who can thank the game at a high level. Um, if you can't keep your body in this control, and some of these kids are incredible athletes. Because some of them are so out of control, if you can't keep your body under control, the thing that I would think everyone could see would be you're playing too fast. Whereas to some people, the better skill, the faster you can play, but probably the thing that sets them apart, the ones who are not and will not to make things kind of play. And realize they go too fast and have to see the game in slow motion, and particularly at this high level.
0: So, in the era of super teams, we have some GMs and executives who want to just put like three of the best players on planet Earth together, and they somehow think that's going to work, right? And they believe you put a few talented, hyper talented players together, and you'll win. A talented assortment of players on a team wins every time to them. What makes Jerry West different is best explained in an analogy he gives in this next clip where he describes a roster like a car, like an automobile. And he also mentions how he uses the draft to build a roster, how he convinces players to buy into playing this role. And to me, it's really detailed and really nuanced. And he was particularly soft-spoken in this clip so listen carefully with your headphones on, full blast.
1: But you're certain players I like. I just I have a different idea of what I think is important. Uh, I do not pay any attention to analytical for the players until kids get into the league, and particularly the young. Because I don't see a body of work there to compare it to. And particularly playing against people of you know, much greater age and much more course you know playing against professional play people all right. But there's little things that I see that I'm, I guess fall in love with, and um, they don't always work out, but uh, to me, life is a puzzle anyway. Basketball, you need five players to start, okay? And then if you have a really good team, people coming off the bench, you have to be able to complement that. And it's a working unit. If you have a missing piece, I'm assuming it's like a car in some respects, you have one little tiny Wall in the car and at the end of the day uh, my car is going to break down
0: how do you use that philosophy to find role players that are those little tiny parts for the car
1: well you know fortunately exactly once in my life when i was in memphis memphis completely different than me I was we have the ability of a, uh, to draft some really unique players who trades and allowed us to get very high in the draft. And then they turned out fantastic. They became big stars. And so we need players to complement things. And so you're all, in you know, a long way, when you get, I think you have to look, you know, how old are we at this position? And I, I like to see some kind of a draft where. There's not just 30-year-old players who go straight down. I like kind of a slanted line that will allow older players, players that are in their 20s and then the younger kids who hopefully will jump into there with their talents and be able to fit in with like a great team. But also I will tell you that if you've had a chance to be involved with really great players, they welcome these young kids and they want them to get better. And to me, the more you put your arm around a kid when he's struggling, he's struggling, might lose confidence, maybe he's quiet and shy, try to make them part of it. Uh, everyone should share, even the front office. front office is so big today, uh, expanded so much. They're not as intimate as they once were. Mm. But there's a reason for that. Because the tremendous growth in the league, expansion, everyone is trying to get some kind of med and, uh, They hire the best people, the best, supposedly the best coaches, the best trainers, the best health experts. Uh, So there's a lot more at stake today, so consequently, we're going to have more people in the league and there's all kind of people out there looking for their job. No
0: doubt.
1: And it's tough. It's tough because you have to find a way to uh, convince them that you can contribute to
0: Here, Jerry discusses how he can identify if a player has the competitive spirit or if they love the game. This is one of those things we're all wondering about. How do you know? How can you tell if a player actually loves basketball? He breaks this down very simply, but he moves on and dissects something else, which I think is even more interesting. At Summer League, I heard Isaiah Thomas on a broadcast saying how Every young player in the league owes a debt of gratitude to Jerry West. And if you listen to this clip, I think you'll find out very quickly why. This is a guy who played right before salaries started skyrocketing. And for whatever reason, he has zero bitterness over the fact his era was not treated the same as this era. He recognizes how much work these young men have put put on and put in how they don't come from wealthy backgrounds and sees this as an opportunity for them to get life-changing money so that when they leave the game, they can take time, not have to get a job, and find out what it is they truly love if they don't truly love basketball. And he's totally cool with that. Not only is he totally cool, I think he kind of finds it to be a rare gift for these kids. Very few executives believe this, nor will say it out loud. But I think Jerry West always believes that a player, and he has said this in this interview as well, always believes players should get paid every single penny that they are worth. And even more sometimes. That's what we call, for the culture, Jerry West. There's like this uh, X factor, Uh, the love of the game. He just loves basketball, or he's just this relentless competitor, he hates to lose, kind of like you. How do you quantify that? Because everyone says they love the game. Is it just a gut feeling where you meet him and you're like, oh yeah, I think he's gonna take games
1: off for You know, some, some of these kids have a gleam their eye, okay? And they're wide-eyed and, and particularly when you are them around from the veteran players. But uh, I've always said, uh, Find something you love to do, genuinely love to do, and you'll never work a day in your life. And today, these kids would come in, they have high aspirations, they've been pushed, they've been trained at a higher level than players of yesterday year. And you get around them, and you get around them, and you talk to them, and some of them talk a good game. Um, Some of them tell you how good they are. But to me, what the work they put in after you've had your conversation, there are gym rats. There's guys that just love to be in the gym. And it's just amazing today that, you know, we've the season doesn't start till you know, October. late, uh, October, early October. Yeah. And we have kids in our gym all the time. I mean, and they're not just young kids. They're better. And the, the uniqueness of this league today, kids from all levels, if they can't come in and play well, they surely can make enough money If there a good enough. Biggest stars in the they're gonna make so much ancillary money and, and advertise them and stuff like that. Uh, many of them make a lot more than they do in salary. So they do have their own father, but the point I was trying to make, at a very young age, you get out. Of, let's say you get out of college, you got a degree, everyone else has a degree, it's difficult to get a job and how long does it take you to get to a point uh, within an organization that people appreciate you and you've made a lot of money to make your life easier if you want to retire or if you want to do things? These kids can now today are wealthy. Mm-hmm. And so they can take two or three years old and try to find what path they want to take for, uh, to, conti- to continue their life. and. I think to me that is an unbelievable um, gift not to have to go out and get a regular job. Yeah. and so they can pick and choose also the right players and they played the game, they played it with uh, great intensity, they have contributed in a lot of other ways, those people truly can make a difference in this world by giving by maybe being involved in the game itself again, the game they, they loved, okay, and a game that allowed them this enormous opportunity in life to make their life comfortable, their families comfortable, their children comfortable, and live a pretty normal life. Most of the players that come in this league, they don't come from multifamily, trust right. me. And it, it's, it's a reward for all the hard work they've done and more importantly, how proud their parents are at the that fell to watch their son excel at a higher level and walk away with great name, uh, more importantly, financial security.
0: What percentage of players in the league, no matter how rich they get, still have the work ethic like a player like Kawhi?
1: Well, there's a lot of players in the league that really work hard. Uh, I mean, you can sing a lot of certain players, but there's a lot of them that really work hard. And I think it's I mean, you got to be proud of what you do. And I always use this story. That reminded me so much I was, when I was a kid. I used to love to go on the mountain and climb. And, West Virginia, and you get to the top of the mountain, and you say, oh, my God, what a great view over there. Well, in the NBA, if you get to the top of the mountain, if you just look back, somebody's chasing up the hill. <laughs> so you better go try to climb a higher mountain. I think it's something that these great players, even the ones who have a long, distinguished career, they might not be great, but they have had to work their panties off to maintain a position in the league. And they can, today, these players, they start so young, they can play the way they take care of themselves. They can play to 36, 38 years wow. old. Yeah. It's amazing, really is.
0: So if you're wondering why certain teams always seem to be good, and other teams always seem to be bad, there is a reason for it. And in this clip, he describes the danger of being a good team, which means that you always end up drafting late, and how good teams and what they do to continue to succeed despite their draft position. If you're a good team, according to him, the future is right now. Which explains kind of perfectly why the Timberwolves made the moves that they did this offseason. They want to win right now. So interesting stuff here from Jerry. Outside of the Clippers, who do you think has been the most successful at finding and developing unique talent for what they are doing for you
1: know their, the identity of their team. Well, you know, there's a number of teams that's done really well, but the problem is is that, you know, once you do well for a long time, say your team is really a good team, you're drafting at the end of the draft. Right. Those teams down there, if they can identify players, they're the ones that I would pay most attention to, particularly. When you're not very good and by not being very good is having one of the worst five records in the winter, okay? Well, a lot of times, people get very, very excited. Oh, we want to draft this guy, we want to draft that guy. And they miss. The number one pick in the draft has failed three times. Mm. Now, what you think about it, All the people out there watching each kid's play, how can that happen?
0: I was wondering the same how thing. How can it
1: happen? Uh, it happens. Uh, people are human. Uh, you know, they're trying to project a guy for the future. Well, the future is now, to be honest with you. Uh, it might take a little longer with these kids, but really good teams, they, they seem to be able to bring in a veteran player, a, say a mid-level, which is part of our collective bargaining agreement, that might be better than some young kid, particularly have a good team. I think the danger of being grafting <clears throat> late all the time and not trying to be mean or critical, somewhere along the way, front office is not going to try And uh, that includes everything. Ownership, people in the front office, scouts. And that's that's not a criticism. But some people don't have very much luck. You see players that come into the league and are really great young players. They'll have a devastating injury, which you can't recover from that.
0: Final piece here. So with Kevin Durant's request for a trade looming over the summer league, I was hoping... We could find a way to touch on this. I was only going to ask it if it came up organically. But I am curious about older players and how they think about just movement as a whole. Guys asking out from their teams with lengthy durations left on their contract. So he brings up trade requests happening in the newspapers. And I thought, okay, I'm going to jump immediately on this. What came next, though? <laughs> was a lot more than I anticipated and a shocking admission about Jerry's time with the Lakers
1: there's so many obstacles today a free agency uh you see at the reading the paper I dem- demand to be traded
0: <clears throat> what do you and, think about that
1: you well know, it's awkward because but today players have so much they have so much power uh, you know they're partners with the NBA and there' a Great relationship with her, but unless I had—I'll use myself in career. There was one time in my career, I played 14 years all with the Lakers. There was one time in my career because somebody told me something that wasn't the truth, and this person who happened to be the owner of the team, I never forgave him. This is when I was a player, and uh, I really felt—I really felt like it was. Why lie to me? I don't lie to you. Again, I came from FC Junior and I mean, you sort of rely on, really you know, brought up very awkwardly, but you trust me, And this was one of the things that if I would have been a creator, <clears throat> I would have left for sure. But I'm pretty loyal uh, <clears throat> in terms of if you work someplace where it's fun, ownership is great, it really, it's fun to get to know the people there. You just, Trying to make it a family-like atmosphere. <clears throat> go around and say hello to everyone. And I've learned some incredible lessons in my life, by the way, about people. Uh, Something from being around, uh, particularly the lake was when they moved from uh, the old Sports Arena, which is no longer here, but to yeah. uh, the Staples Center. I used to go and visit everyone in the morning after an incident happened at a retirement party, and uh, I just felt that. You know, these people who are uh, behind the scenes and don't give any credit, they never get any credit. They're yeah. in hidden faces. <clears throat> but they're so proud of their job. And I've often said, no matter how menial a job is to someone, it's the most important thing in the world. And I'm um, a softy, very much so. I love people. I will do anything for people. And particularly people on North America. And there's a limit. Yeah. There's a limit you can go. For sure. But uh, once I feel like no one appreciates anyone, uh, I'm not going to be there. I'll, I'll walk away. What, would, what did they lie to you about? Well, this was over a salary. We had no agents in, this was over a, a contractual thing. And um, I just I said to myself, what a lie to me when I knew that people paid to see me play. Uh, I knew they paid to see the Lakers, but we had some great players with them. So it, the, was just, it was just out my life. About what you were worth? Yeah, w- as
0: absolutely. A, but again,
1: there was no way to determine it. If then, today, there's a way to determine that. No one knew the salary. The agents knew all the salary today. And that's when the free agency that I was talking about first started. And I wish I would have had someone to represent me. But owners, owners wouldn't even pay attention to the agents, and today they're very powerful. Yeah, they are. And they, <clears throat> they negotiate contracts with players. I look at, it and I was like, hey, I wouldn't play that player for that much money, and it's mm-hmm. not disrespectful. Yeah. But once you pay someone a lot, invariably it's somebody on the team a lot better than that person. But you have to pay that player more, and it's one of the problems I had no player should be under play, no. Not one player should be under play. And in uh, negotiating, to me, the players should feel like they end up winning. You find the nothing that's close to it, pay the guy. Loyalty means everything to me. And I learned it because an incident in my life that somebody really started. And particularly, you know, I was a pro player every year. I was kind of a at purpose player. And that really bothered me a lot. Uh, And it made me, probably helped me as an executive more than anything I was not ever in the fake game. And not even, if there was 50,000, that $50,000 in was a lot of money. If a $50,000 left, uh, working with Jerry, late Jerry does, we gave it to the players. Yes. And so it created a better environment. Uh, The players were always, great there we hadn't then we every once in a while you get a player that really didn't feel uh, fit in but still you had to embrace him hopefully he could change by being around great people and i still believe that the people we work with have that same ability to come there and it's a quiet soft-spoken reserved. draw them into conversation. make it fun for them because There's a lot of pressure on
0: me. All right, that's all the time that we have for part one. In part two, we're going to—it's so good. We're going to discuss more about his time with the Clippers. He mentions what team he thinks is the best team of all time, and that's not the Bulls. None of the Bulls' rosters he believes is the best team of all time. He discusses how he would build a roster around LeBron James. His unvarnished opinion on— winning time if you liked part one part two might be even better it's a doozy that's all the time that we have for this episode of the heat check we'll be back later this week with a regular episode and late late this week part two from jerry west do not forget to download and subscribe and follow us on tiktok at this heat check and trista crick tell all your friends about this fucking interview